There are villains out there. There are Grinches that we face that come to steal our joy. And we're going to talk about that this series. As we, as we begin our Advent, we're going to talk about what are these Grinches in our life that have come to rob the gifts that God has given us. And we're also going to unpack some of those gifts that God has given us that these Grinches cannot steal. So we invite you here as we begin our Christmas Advent series, Gifts That the Grinch Cannot Steal. You know, one of the first, uh, one of the first uh, Grinches that you're going to find in life, and I don't know about you, but this is one that's uh, plagued me and entered and intruded into my home far too many times, is the Grinch of Anxiety. Have you met him? Yeah. He's far worse than a green monster, isn't he? Yeah, he's sneaky and he's greedy. He comes into our life because oftentimes we invite him in. And when he comes, he takes and takes and takes. And I'll tell you what, that God is not pleased with that Grinch. Why are we so anxious? I don't think that anxiety comes, usually anxiety comes in through an open door that we leave into our life that comes from this thing called uncertainty. This world is an uncertain place, have you noticed? I mean, really, ever since the fall, right, we don't live in paradise. We look outside and it looks like paradise, but this world is an uncertain place. And when God designed the world, we were with God. We had relationship with him. We were able to see him face to face. Every one of our needs was provided for. There was no worry in the Garden of Eden. So where did worry and uncertainty come from? Well, there was the fall. It was when we as people decided that we wanted to do things our way. And so we hijacked this world from God and proceeded to break it and break each other. Nature is not a peaceful place. You noticed that? You ever watched a, a, uh, anything on the Nature Channel? <laughs> right? It's scary out there. Survival of the fittest. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. There's a reason for anxiety. I and mean, we've had the earthquakes, the tornadoes, volcanoes. It even seems like nature itself sometimes conspires to take away with everything. But it's not just that. People are also broken, not just as nature. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty broken. I got a sin nature. And so do all of you. And because of that, we hurt each other. And because we get hurt long enough by the people that we love closest, which are the ones that usually hurt us the deepest, and eventually we start to lose trust, which hurts relationships, doesn't it? We become uncertain. Can I trust this person? Is this person really going to love me? Are they really going to be there? Can I, can I really count on this friend? And we begin to be anxious even about the people that we were around. Our world is just bathed in uncertainty. And because of that, it's natural then for anxiety to come creeping in. What if I told you, though, that God has a different way? See, so this whole world lives in uncertainty, doesn't it? This whole world lives with anxiety. But God changed it. And he offers us something, a free gift, a powerful gift, one that overcomes the anxiety that we struggle with. And we get to talk about that today. And what is that uh, 
that wonderful gift? Well, we read about it a little bit today, didn't we? We heard about it in today's reading as we lit the candle of hope. We have, the, uh, we have Mary and Joseph, young lovebirds, whose life did not go according to what they thought was planned. They were an occupied people in occupied land. Rome was not pleasant to them. And all of a sudden, Joseph finds out that his fiancée is pregnant. There's a lot of reason for anxiety. And what was the very first part of the very first Christmas message? The angel came down and said something to Joseph, and it was this. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Anxiety is the first Grinch that is slayed in Christmas. And the very first proclamation of Christmas, even as it began, was a proclamation of hope. Do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife. Our God has been at war against anxiety, and he has conquered. And we get to even talk about this today, even in a deeper level. What does that mean for you and for me? But to begin with, every week, because we are disciples of Jesus, the reverse that we have memory verse every week is one on hope. And I want you to see that today as we talk about this word of hope, I want you to see that memory verse. Where does hope fit in in God's great plan? Our memory verse comes to us from Romans 15, 13 that says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Isn't that powerful? All right, so what we're going to do, just say it along with me a few times pretty soon. We're going to begin imprinting that powerful word of God into our hearts. Here we go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Romans 15, 13. Oh, so good. Again, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Romans 15, 13. All right, it's so much fun. Let's do it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, Romans 15, 13. Isn't that powerful? It's not may the God of hope kind of give you a little peace and joy. That's not what it says. And may the God of hope fill you, fill you with all joy and peace as we trust in him. Isn't that powerful? I want you to know there's a contingency there, isn't there? May the, we get to receive it or not. We're going to talk about that. If you want extra credit on, you know, God, you get to have him be like, I didn't just memorize the memory verse, but here's the second part of that memory verse. And I think this is powerful, just too many words. I wanted a Christmas bless you with a short one. (laughs) But Romans 15, 13, actually, the full says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, God doesn't just top you off. He just keeps dumping it. This is the power of our God. This is the power of his word in his life in you. You're going to overflow. Let's unwrap that gift together today, shall we? All right. So if you got your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 14. If you're using one of our Bibles, that's going to be on page 752. And if you forgot your Bible or you need one, don't worry about it. We got plenty of them in the back. Grab one. And uh, if you need a Bible, keep it. Our gift to you. Now, as you're turning to uh, John chapter 14, let me give you some context. John is a gospel. It's a story of Jesus' life written by somebody, John, who was there. First-hand evidence, right? This is what Jesus is doing. This is what Jesus was saying. And in John chapter 14, Jesus is getting to the end of his ministry. 
They've been on earth. He had the disciples for several years, right? They've been walking with him. They've been following him. They've seen his power. God came, right? He healed people from, from sickness. He, like, especially like crazy sicknesses. Like some of the sicknesses, people were actually dead. And that's as sick as you can get. <laughs> he did other things. He, he cast out demons. And not just like one or two demons. There were times he cast out entire armies of demons all at once. He showed he had power in the spiritual world, power in the physical world, and he also did this. He proved his power over nature itself. He could tell seas to just be quiet. He could tell bread and fish and loaves. He could say, multiply and feed my people. He proved that God was real, and he proved that God had come. He proved himself to be more than just a prophet or a preacher or some wise old man. He proved himself to be God in the flesh. God showed up and his disciples, John was there from the beginning of his ministry, falling, looking at him, seeing the evidence. And he saw that God was now with him and fulfilling all of the prophecies of the Messiah. And so we get to this point in the, in the book of John, the gospel of John, and the expectation of the disciples was this. The Messiah has come and he's come in the power and the person of God. It is time for God's kingdom to reign in power. And how they thought that was going to work is very much how we have an understanding of the second coming. That Jesus was going to overthrow the wicked rulers of this world. He was going to reunite all of the people of God under the same banner, a banner of peace. That God was going to come, Jesus was going to come in power and it was going to happen soon. This was the expectation. But Jesus knew that there was a step in the process that his disciples didn't see. Something that was foretold long ago, even through the prophet Isaiah, that this powerful Messiah must also suffer. And so he warns his disciples of two things right before John chapter 14. First thing he warns them of is he's going to die. This is not going to go down like you think it's going to go down. I'm going to be killed. And this is a reason for concern. Because this is not what the disciples thought was going to happen. This was not according to their plan, what they had been taught ever since they were little tiny boys going to synagogue. This was different. Uncertain. And the second thing Jesus warns them of is that they're going to fail. That you are going to abandon me in this time. He tells his disciples, those who have left their home and their businesses and everything else, who have been so faithful over those past three years, he says, you guys are going to fail me. Jesus begins this passage with all really good reasons for anxiety, doesn't he? Death and failure. But then he goes on and he gives us three powerful, amazing truths about this hope that we have, the gift that he's giving us. And so we begin that in verse 14, or sorry, verse 1, chapter 14, where Jesus, in the midst of that context, was saying, You're going to fail and I'm going to die. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the place that I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Did you get it? In this passage, Jesus gives us three powerful truths about hope that help us quell the anxiety and slay that beast. And the first one is this, is that we get to choose two O's there between anxiety or hope. Do you notice that there was a choice that was there? He just told them all the reasons why they should be anxious. He's going to die. It's not going according to their plan. Death is a, one of those reasons that people really normally get worried and anxious. The other one, you're going to fail. You think about times when you're anxious in life, it's usually when your failure is coming, right? My business is failing. My relationships are failing. What is going to happen if this fails, right? Two real main reasons why we face anxiety. Jesus, at that very moment, he says this, and the very first thing, do not let your heart be troubled. It is a choice. It's not, hope is not based upon our circumstance. You get to choose it which is powerful for you because if today you are in a space in your life where anxiety is robbing you, I want you to understand the truth of God's word is that you have a choice to tell it to stop. You have the power in Christ. He's given you authority. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And it's not just an invitation. I think Jesus knew us as he gave this to us a command. But to walk in Christ is to say, you know what? There are a lot of reasons in this world to have anxiety. But my Lord, I'm going to believe in God. <laughs> my Lord has given me a command. He says, you know what? Put my trust in him. I get to choose hope. So we must choose hope. Second one is this, that we get to choose then the object of our hope or anxiety. You know that? Just as much as anxiety is a, is a choice or Hope is a choice. You get to choose what you put your hope in. Jesus didn't just say, I'm going to die and you guys are going to fail me, but don't let your hearts be troubled. That's not what he said. He continued on. Aren't you glad he continued on? He wasn't like, oh, well, just hope it gets better. Just go through life and maybe it's People who do that are crazy. Have you ever seen somebody like everything's falling apart around them and they're like, well, I'm going to be optimistic about this. There was a song that came out a couple years ago uh, that from Bastille. It was called, uh, oh, try to think of the name. It was about this volcano. Vavasuvius that blew up, right? And, uh, and uh, one of the lines in this song, it was, uh, it was Pompeii. Thank you. That was good. It was A-A-O, A-O, A-A-O. You hear the song, right? It was on the radio for a long time. It was so good. And it says, I'm going to choose to be an optimist about this. Sometimes we live at the bottom of the volcano. Things are blowing up all around us. It's like, I'm just going to wish it's going to get better. No, I'm sorry. That kind of hope is stupid. Sometimes it's not going to get better like that. That's not why we have hope. Because our hope isn't based upon our circumstances changing. God gives us a, a bigger hope. We have to look at what we're putting our hope in because that makes a difference as whether our hope is reasonable, whether it's rational, what's going to hold up, it's actually going to carry us. And I think we find in this world, those who didn't know that God actually showed up, that God actually loves them, that God can save them and proves to them. And then when he does, he lives with them and empowers them and gives purpose to every part of their life, even their pain. Those who don't know that are left to choose either despair or false hope. 
And they put their hope in temporary things. Maybe this person will change. Maybe my spouse will start loving me. Maybe this business deal will come through. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Too many contingencies for me to have hope in that. Jesus gives a better hope. Look what he says in the word. Look at it. Powerful. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus is not a contingency. Jesus is not, he's not something that maybe Jesus came and maybe he didn't come. He showed up in the flesh in real time, real space, real God with us. That's why he came. So many times, have you heard of so many times people say, how do we really know God exists? Oh, how do I know God exists? He showed up! That's how I know. If God didn't put on clothes like I did, walk this earth, eat food like I do, and then do crazy things that I can't do, like heal people, raise people from the dead, cast out demons, and tell the sea to be quiet, well, then maybe I would wonder if God is real. But he showed up. And he said, I'm God. You know the Father, you know me. You know me, you know the Father. God is real. And he says, you know what? Your hope can't be in this world. This world's too messed up. It's too broken. Nothing's certain in this world. Everything's certain in Jesus. So that's where our hope gets to be. We're not just on top of the Titanic saying, well, I hope they fix the hole. Our hope is better than that. So we get to choose that. Do you understand today? You have anxiety. If you're a human, am I speaking truth? There are things for us to worry about. There are a lot of uncertainties that are out there. I want you to know this. Whatever it is that you're worried about today is not what you're going to be worrying about in a trillion years as you're in, in glory. Right? Most likely, the thing that you're worried about today is not what you can worry about tomorrow. But even if it is, it's not going to last forever. You know what will last forever? Your place in the kingdom. That's going to last forever. As far as I can tell, there's not a whole lot of worry up there. Choose to put your hope in Christ. If he loved you enough to put on skin, to come and die on a cross for your sin, to make a place for you in heaven, can you trust him that he's also keeping his word, that he's with you today? That he hasn't abandoned you? He'll never leave you or forsake you? Can you trust him? If you can, put your hope in him. Say, he is with us. He's in me. And he's using, working all things together for my good. Because I love him and am called according to his purpose. If that is truth, then put your hope there. But you're going to have to choose to, aren't you? Because what's the default? There's a reason Jesus made it a command. <laughs> Our default is to always go to worry, isn't it? Our default is always to say, ah, this world is uncertain. I'm anxious about it. I hope things will get better. I'm not going to tell you things in your life right now are going to get better. Maybe they will, maybe they don't. I want to tell you this, that your God is making you better through those things. That your God is doing good things in the midst of that brokenness. That your God is at work redeeming you and the world through pain. As well as... Last thing we have there, third awesome secret and truth of hope is this, is that we get to choose the reason for our hope, not just the person. It's not just that God is real. That's a great reason to have hope, to know that there is a God. Isn't that amazing? I remember when I was younger, I was about my son's age when I really began to wrestle with my atheism. Right? I was 13, and I started to realize that this world couldn't be explained outside of there had to be something to explain it. But I had this gnawing thing that nothing mattered. If there is no God, then nothing matters. There's no such thing as really a justice. 
There's really no such thing as purpose or meaning. Everything is just temporary. I'm going to be forgotten after I die. I mean, I came into some dark places when I was 13. And I came to a point, I realized that God was real. And it was through a long process. It took years. And I got to the point that God really is real. We can know him. And that was a great reason, at least there's purpose and meaning in life. But what does that care for me? What if that God is just out there and he's different than me? Right? What if he, he doesn't really care for me? We could place our hope in Jesus. Well, what if Jesus, what if Jesus doesn't really care for you all that much? You ever thought of that? Sometimes I think as Christ, and those of Christians, we get to a point in our life we wonder, does Jesus really love me? And here's why. When we come to faith, we're very close to the Lord, aren't we? We're like babies, and he swaddles us, and he's very close to our life and all of this. And as we grow up a little bit older, he's like a good parent, and he's not always holding us and snuggling us. We don't always feel his breath in our life. There are times he has to put us into the crib and step out for a little while so that we can know that we can trust in his love and his provision even if we don't see him. Because can you imagine how ridiculous it would be if there was a grown man whose mom his entire life was holding him his entire life and as soon as he didn't see his mom, he's like, ah! Our God lets us feel the separation. He lets us know that his love for us is more than a feeling. That his promises are more than what we think that he can probably do. That God's word is true because God is true. Begin to trust him beyond what we can feel and see. And so, as Christians, there are times we are forced into the desert for our good to grow us up. And if you have been there or you are living there, it is for your good. And God doesn't abandon you. His word is true, even if we don't feel it. He is there. But when they're in that time, every Christian, we begin to question that thing, don't we? It's it's natural. It's right. Does God love me? Is he there with me right now in the midst of this pain? Can I trust him now? If you've asked yourself that question, welcome to the club. That's normal. It's healthy. Here's the thing, though. Jesus, he does love us even when we don't, try, we don't know if he's, he's there, when we don't feel it, when we have doubt, because his reality, his existence in our life isn't based upon he keeps his word. He is faithful and we're not. And so there are times we get to choose to put our trust in Jesus, that Jesus is real and he exists. But Jesus didn't just say, trust in me. You believe in the Father, believe in me as well. He didn't just stop there saying, guess what? I've got it. I'm sovereign. So let that be enough. Don't, don't be troubled when I die. Don't be troubled when you fail me. He didn't say, well, just trust because I'm God. Look what Jesus continues the passage on. He gives us something real tangible to put our, 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 our fingers around. He says, believe in God. Believe also in me. Get this, verse 2. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you, be with me, that you may also be where I am. Do you see it? Jesus doesn't say, well, just trust that I'm God. I'm going to take care of him. He says, I have a place for you. God loves you. He left the throne of heaven to come and put flesh on to live in this world, to take your sin and mine and to put it on the cross. But that's not the only thing that he did. When he ascended to heaven, he says, I'm preparing a place for you. I'll tell you, this is pretty awesome. When I read scripture, it says it took six days for Jesus to make everything. Okay, he's been in heaven making a place for you and me for like 2,000 years. It's going to rock. This is where our hope is. He doesn't say this. Believe in God, believe also in me, things will get better. Believe in God, believe also in me, my kingdom is, is going to be established right here in, in this earth very soon. He said, believe in God, believe also in me, I have a place for you. I have a place for you and I'm coming back to get you. 
When you have troubles in this life, recognize that this life is a blink of an eye, isn't it? I mean, think about, like, if this entire stage was a trillion years, right, how big would your lifespan be in the midst of that? Tiny, like a speck of dust, wouldn't it? Here's a cool thing about eternity. A trillion years is like a speck of dust in comparative eternity. The mountains that we face in our life today are nothing, specks compared to what we are called to. Your reality is so much bigger, so much better. The best is absolutely, yes, yet to come. And it is not uncertain. It is not as though there is an angel out there that is going to somehow mess it up for you in the bureaucracy of heaven. He's like, well, I forgot to get that stamped for you. Sorry, you can't make it in. It's not going to happen. There's not a demon out there. There's not enough demonic forces that can overthrow God that somehow is going to keep you from getting to heaven. There is no amount of sin that you could possibly do that you over, you can't outsin the payment. Right? There is nothing in heaven, on earth, in the spiritual world, or anywhere else that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that's going to take away the place that God has made for you in heaven. That is certainty. That is wonderful. So here's this. That God doesn't just prepare a place for you there, and he's coming back, and this is where we put our hope. This is why we have peace. But also he says that he's with us and in us today. That his Holy Spirit is in you, if you are a believer, is in you. Never to leave you, never to forsake you. And he says this too, that he is sovereign over your life. That everything, he works it all together for the good of those who love him or called according to his purpose. So if you face difficulties today, know that God is doing something in it. And that what you are worried about today, you're not going to worry about forever. There will be a resolution. And whether or not your life in this world gets better or not, God makes it better because your life doesn't end here. This is not the last page of your story, not by a long shot. So put your hope in God. Choose that. We have to choose when anxiety comes knocking at our door to say, you know what? It's it's not about what I have here. It's not about is it going to get better? Are they going to patch the hole in this ship? It's like even if they don't, I got a better room coming. And Jesus is coming back. Just as much as he came the first time, I want you to know this. That we will see this with our own eyes. This is not crazy talk. And the reason it's not crazy talk is because Jesus, God in the flesh, came once. And he says, I will come back again. All of this matters. Everything that you struggle with matters. Your life has purpose and meaning. And God loves you very much, so much, that he didn't just pay for your sin, but he wants you to be with him forever. So we're not without hope. And what he has for us next is an absolute certainty. It's a guarantee. And he's coming back. And so just as the early church, before it even started, as as Mary and Joseph stood huddled together, wondering what God was going to do, as they looked for the Messiah longingly as, as they were children, and God answered that and fulfilled his promise, Jesus will come again. And so this Christmas, as we see that baby in the manger, recognize that that is who has come to save us. We have a gift, a gift that the Grinch of anxiety can never steal from us, is a, is a gift called hope. And this Christmas, this season, I encourage you, take that gift, unwrap it, choose that gift. When the Grinch comes and says, you're sick, you're broke, you're not loved, or whatever else the Grinch wants to say. Choose hope, not fear. 
Remember that God loves you so much he came to this earth for you. Choose to put your hope in Christ, not in your situation. That God loves you so much to take care of all those big things, do you think he doesn't love you now? <laughs> Choose to put your hope in not just this where your circumstances are now, but the reality of your future with him and the certainty of his return. Choose the gift of hope. How do you do that? Well, if you take out your connection card, on the back side, there are some things, some steps that I have on there that can help you choose hope. They can help you, very practical. And like I said, these are steps. These aren't giant leaps. These are not big, hard things. These are next steps to follow Jesus so that way you can take hold of prize. Romans 15, 13. You can memorize 15, 3 if you want to, but 15, 13 is what we all got today. And if you want to memorize Romans 15, 13, that they may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. That's what I want you to have there as you trust in Christ Jesus. That's what we want to do. Memorize that. But think about it. In your life, you can speak that scripture to the anxiety in your life. I tell you, it's a prayer. Maybe say, you know what? Have you ever prayed a scripture back to God? You ever done that? Yeah, it's pretty powerful. This is what you do is, is you get into it and you say, God, I'm, I'm filled with anxiety. And you told me not to have anxiety. You told me to, to have put my, my hope in you. And say, God, uh, I need your hope. This is how you pray that, that, that verse into your own life. Say, Heavenly Father, today I need your hope. I need to fill me with your hope. Remind me of who you are today. Help me silence the anxiety that's speaking against me. I'm praying that you're going to be strong in this, that your way, you're doing something in the midst of this thing that I'm scared of, but carry me through it. And I thank you that you promise you're not going to leave me. Fill me. Don't just give me enough hope to get through. Fill me till overflowing. And in this, Father, may I find your joy and your peace so that I am not troubled today. That's how you pray scripture back to God. Pray it as you go through it this week. Memorize it. Pray it every time anxiety comes. Pray it back to God. Next thing you want to do. How about read the story of how God came to earth? Matthew chapter 1 and 2. One of the first places we read about the nativity. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a story that this was written by a guy who saw Jesus come. This is history. Guarded and protected by the Holy Spirit. You want to see what does it look like? How do we know God kept his, his promise to us? Read Matthew chapter 1 and 2. This is what it looked like when God put on flesh. Or how about this? Maybe what you want to do is you say, today I'm going to, I'm going to give my anxieties to God. You got them. What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do, Judd? Maybe you hand them to God. Maybe this week as anxiety comes, you say to God, you know what? This is a big deal. My trust is in you, and I'm gonna tr- you need to carry me through this. You hand them to God. Maybe that's what you do this week over and over and over again. You just keep handing those anxieties, past, pass them on to God, and take hold of his hope. And maybe that's the last thing you do is you choose hope this week. You choose. Make the choice. Be obedient to what God has called you to do, and do not let your hearts be troubled. There's a commitment for you to make in there. Maybe there's something else I didn't think of. I encourage you to write it down. Why? Because one, it's a commitment between you and God. It says, I'm going to take next steps. And it allows the Holy Spirit. You're saying to God, I'm signaling to God faithfulness. And God is always there. Scripture says, you come near God, he comes near you. Write it down. Tell God, this is how I want to be faithful this week. Ask him to help you. But also, I'll pray for you. I see these. I read these every week. Right? Even some of the funny notes that you guys give me. I read those too. But let me know, because I'll be praying for you as you take steps of faithfulness. 
you've got a prayer request, certainly write that down. If you have another commitment to make, certainly let us know. If you want to be part of the membership class, write that down next week. Uh, let me know so we'll be ready for you. And here in just a second, we're going to take our offering. As we do, you have, you have an envelope there. Take your offering, we're going to put it in an envelope, and then take this and put this in the basket along with your tithes and your gifts, right? And see what God does with these investments, investments of faithfulness. All right, well, let's pray for these, and then we'll have the worship band come in to close us with a, with a great worship song. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, you are good. You're good. And it's not just that we say that you're good. Saying that you're good implies that we know that you're real and you are because you proved it. You put on skin. You walked amongst us. You lived a perfect life. You died a purposeful death that paid our debt of sin. And you rose again, left an empty tomb, an eternal promise. We can be saved by your grace through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If that weren't enough, then you gave us the gift of your own presence, your Holy Spirit, that indwelt turn again. So, Father, since you love us this much, since you have cared for us and demonstrated your love this deeply in our life, Lord, I pray that you help us in this church, this congregation, this season, to seize hold of that hope that you have purchased for us. Father, may that gift be something that we cling to. We pray against that Grinch of anxiety that's uh, dwelling, crouching at our door. Lord, I pray that you help us to choose hope instead of him this year. And Father, I pray that you would also give us the ability and opportunity to share that hope with others in this community because you love them too. Lord, we make commitments today. Help us keep them in a way that draws us closer to you. Pray for our tithes, our gifts, our offerings. Lord, use this act of faithfulness and faith to build your kingdom in our lives, in our hearts, in this church, in this community in this world. And Father, we pray that you would do it all for your glory because you deserve it and we love you. So we pray all this in the beautiful name of our Savior who has come to this earth to save us. Jesus, our Lord. Amen.